This is Marching In, a brand new Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music is from the immensely talented Lawrence Norton. We would really appreciate a follow on Spotify and on Twitter, where you can find us at Marching In Pod. Welcome to episode seven, Sam, of Marching In. Uh, I'm saying Sam because I am joined by my lovely co-host, Sam Appleton. I had a few people off the back of the Jeremy Wilson interview say, where was Sam at for that? So you're in demand, should we say, Samuel? It's normally the other way around. They say, why is Sam there? <laughs> yeah, what on earth is Sam doing there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to to this episode. We are going to do a bit of a debrief on Burnley from the weekend. We'll look at Leeds as well and then look forward to the two games we've got coming up this week, Chelsea and Watford. First things first, Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Would have been even better with another three points, but yeah, pretty, oh, no. I'm, pr- I'm pretty content and uh, yeah, looking forward to looking back on the uh, last couple of games. Yeah. You uh have you caught up on the latest episode of Succession? I have, yes. Yeah, very I watched watched it today. Very, very good. Straight back on top form, I think. Yeah, they've gone just straight into the the greatness of the first two seasons. You know, I'm thinking it'll be a shorter pod than usual, I know, but you know, in one <laughs> in one way that's just to get done for succession episode two. But yeah, let's see how let's see how we get on, shall we? Burnley, I guess start there, but this could be a bit of a free-for-all because, yeah, it's really annoying not coming into this pod with two wins under our belt. I think we went into the the run of fixtures we've got saying that nine points was really the minimum we would like from the five games. We sit on four from the first two. You were there on Saturday, as was I. How how did you see it? Uh, I thought it was quite a funny game, really. I don't think either side really... Um... Deserve to win. I think we probably had, obviously, we had a lot of chances. I mean, we'll get to the chances that missed missed by Redmond and Walcott. I'm sort of sure at some point, but um, yeah, I mean, Burnley, Burnley, but Burnley really, they sort of they're not as strong at the back as they used to be. Obviously, I know they're missing their captain, and um, yeah, I mean, the amount of chances we made against them, you just don't seem it doesn't seem to normally happen when we play Burnley at home, but. Yeah, it's probably missed opportunity, to be honest. I think coming off the back of the Leeds game, where I, mean, I know it was a bit of a... People say, oh, yeah, we, re- we played really well, things like that. But, I mean, I probably look at it as a bit of an asterisk in terms of the Leeds lineup that day. But you still can only beat who's in front of you. Yeah, it was disappointing to only take a point. But in the final 10 minutes, I probably thought no one else was really going to win the game apart from Burnley. Because I don't really see us creating anything. I don't know what you thought of that. Yeah. It was a bit of a weird game, wasn't it? Because I think for probably the first part of this first half, so I'm I'm maybe looking at the first 20, 25 minutes, we were on the back foot quite a lot. I thought 
Um, McNeil played right side in the first half, I think. And we had Loughton overlapping as well. And it felt like we, yeah, it was probably more likely that we were going to concede for the first 20, 25 minutes, specifically after Cornet scored. And then there was just that kind of mental 15 minute window where you kind of come away from it thinking, how have we not bagged here? And I don't know if the order of chances goes with Walcott being the the first big one, but it felt like we were really in the ascendancy at that point. It's a lovely pass from Redmond to, I think he's really looking for Broger, but then Walcott is behind him, unfortunately, because <laughs> I'd much rather Amando Broger was bringing the ball down. And then the Redmond chance, which, yeah, we can kind of, we'll, we'll probably, I was thinking coming into this that Nathan Redmond's name might be spoken about more than more than most other players, given the two games we've just seen. And then, yeah, Livermento hits the post and you sort of feel it might be one of those days. But thinking about it, like you say, we don't often create like a flurry of chances like that. Burnley, I thought, were relatively poor defensively, specifically in that period. But we were just so well on top. And you thought, you know, is are we going to go into halftime 1-0 down to go in 1-1? and then come out and score so early in the second half, you can only see this as an opportunity missed. Yeah, and, almost, and the goal almost, I mean, I know we had, we're out there under a massive amount of pressure, Burnley, but the goal just seemed to come out in the blue a little bit because you sort of think, you're playing against Burnley, set pieces were their forte. And um, but yeah, it just, it just sort of came out of the blue the way the, the ball went in the net and sort of... Um, I mean, I don't really, I don't know what Pope was doing really. I mean, it was a good header, but it seemed like it was straight at him almost. But um, yeah, and also getting, then we get to half time, you think, have we have we missed our chance to seize the initiative in the game, or are we going to carry on after half time? But then, I mean, now obviously Tarkovsky gives the ball straight to Diallo, and Broge completely does him in the second half, which is uh, it's a really good finish. Then after that, I mean. Can't really remember any any other chance we created after, after Brozier scored. I thought we were quite disappointed after the goal to get caught out so quickly. And um, yeah, like like to really really miss our opportunity to seize seize the game and take take another three points. What did you make of the? Well, I guess both Cornet goals because I've seen a bit on Twitter where people are saying that Livermento gets caught out. I think Loughton puts in the cross. And it did look so easy and kind of out of nothing. And then the second goal, I was at the other end, but is it Bednarek that just probably isn't strong enough at getting across him? And again, the goal just comes out of nowhere. Like you, at that point, you're thinking, right, now is the time for us to kick on. We were dominating the game, kind of I felt. And then after that goal, they probably had a window of, kind of 10, 15 minutes where Burnley were on top again. Bizarre game with kind of twos and throws. But yeah, what were your thoughts? I'm thinking specifically about the second goal. It's a good hit from Cornet, but like, yeah, was Bedrack at fault? Was McCarthy at fault? I, I couldn't really kind of work out what happened. Well, it seems like we've conceded that exact same goal for Burnley the past two seasons. I mean, <clears throat> but this time you can replace Matthew Vidra with, with Maxwell Cornet. Just, yeah. It's just what they do. They just, they play, they're going to play it long. They're going to try and win the second ball. They did. Bedrack wasn't strong enough. And um, 
I don't want to hammer McCarthy too much for it because I'm not really sure, but it looked like he, he was quite slow to react. I don't know whether it's just because Corday hit it so quickly and it was just almost taken by surprise. Yeah, it didn't look good for Bednarek, that goal. I mean, you look at the size of Corday, you look at the size of Bednarek, and you think, why is Bednarek not, not out-strengthening Corday? But, I mean, we've seen it time and time again via the fence. We, we, didn't, we weren't good defensively at the weekend. We've, had, we've been good defensively this season. On in the on the most part, but Saturday, yeah, we just looked really lackadaisical at the back, and yeah, I mean, like like I said, Burnley probably looked more likely to score after that. I think they had a shot from McNeil that went just over. And... Mm. I think Westwood, I think maybe had a had a chance. Yeah. It just flashed across the the goal. Yeah, I think your point on defensively. I mean, sort of being there and seeing it. I feel like specifically Silisu, we spoke about him coming up against physical strikers, the likes of Romelu Lukaku, Mikel Antonio, and actually on the whole doing pretty well, but it seemed like Wood won a lot against our back two. Didn't really matter who he was going up against. And yeah, we did just look pretty, pretty vulnerable. Again, I'm kind of trying to break up the game almost into... I don't know what you look at it like sixths. There were just periods where, yeah, we would kind of have wave after wave. I'm thinking about the first half and I think we were kind of, yeah, well on top early second half. But then we couldn't really get out for periods. I don't know. It was frustrating, frustrating. And I think on the whole, we were the better side and created the better chances, I feel. That bears out in the the XG numbers, which... I want to talk to you about because I guess, you know, in the broader footballing community, there's a debate versus sort of, you know, that how much does XG matter? But in my mind, it talks to the underlying performance and our performance, you know, in games across the season when you look at it, yeah, totaled for the season so far. And I want to talk to you about that, Sam. But we had 1.6 XG to um, Burnley's 0.7. And their goal, second goal, is obviously a kind of low XG chance given from how far it was out. I don't think we were quite that dominant. I'm not saying we were a whole kind of goal better maybe than Burnley, but yeah, sort of funny game. Came away thinking that's probably a fair result. We should have taken more chances, but just really annoying to not build on that Leeds result. Yeah, and also, I mean, another frustrating thing I found about the weekend was I thought Ralph this season has been proactive at times, but I was getting so frustrated the weekend that he took so long to make a sub. And, I mean, I don't know if the whole ground could see it, but Walcott was massively struggling. He was, I mean, he was probably the most, our worst player. I, I didn't really get, when I saw him in the lineup. I didn't really get it either. And, um, I mean, I know Stuart Armstrong probably isn't ready to come back, but you've got other players you can, you can play that role, like Nathan Seller or even Gineppo. I just don't really get what Walcott adds to the scene. I know he had that chance that he missed, but other than that, I just didn't see how he affected the game at all. I, I think we uh, probably just should call the spade a spade. Like, he, he doesn't do anything of note that I think is that good. He runs down blind alleys. He doesn't release the ball at the right time. I don't know if Ralph's seeing something from a defensive point of view that maybe I'm not, but he doesn't look for me like he's kind of ready to play Premier League football yet. 
starts in games when he's fit, it seems. Like if he's fit, he's normally in that first 11. And I get your point on Armstrong, but he played a fair bit of the game against Leeds. You doubt his fitness would have gone backwards in the last seven days. You know, why, why is he not starting? And maybe why do we make, not treat a game like Burnley at home where we could, if we don't want to play Gineppo in one of those roles, maybe play Redmond in one of them and go with, you know, Adams, Brojo, or Armstrong, Brojo up top. The Walcott selection, I, I, you know, I don't want to be harsh, but I don't think he is still equipped to play Premier League football. No, definitely. Also, I mean, the subs near the end. It's just like, I mean, Adam Armstrong also, I know he's struggled a little bit since, since he's come in, since he scored that goal at Everton. But brings him on with, what, two minutes to go? What, what's he supposed to do in those two minutes? I mean, Brozier was clearly struggling with his ankle for quite a long time. I know Adams came on for him. I mean, I would have brought After the goal. It, it happened yeah. in the goal, didn't it, Sam? Because you could tell he was limping. Yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have brought on Armstrong when he brought on Adams because I think the way that Burnley play, I think, and the way that they defend, I think they'd much rather see a player like Adams come on than a player like Armstrong. He's probably going to run at them and get in behind. Whereas Adams isn't really going to do that. He's going to hold it up and bring players into play. But I think they, they're quite happy defending against a player like that. Yeah, funny game. I mean, I know we beat them at home. We came from 2-0 down last season, didn't we? But that, again, was a bit of a bizarre game. Um. I just feel like it's a team that we never, yeah, never do great against. I'm thinking about that Matej Vidra goal as well, just ahead of a strike sort of out of nowhere when we were on top two seasons ago. A game that just annoying. Tall from the corner as well. Yes, yeah. I think there was another funny, funny one in there. Um, but it kind of is what it is. I don't think the performance was that bad. And it was, I don't know, I, I feel like, in attacking areas, I'm primarily looking at the first half. When Burnley dropped a bit deeper second half, I thought we really struggled to create anything. And if you look at our XG numbers first half to second half, there is a drop-off, quite a considerable one. But first half, it was nice to see how much we did create. And the goal, as much as you're kind of thinking as a Saints fan, could it be one of those days, did feel inevitable for a period. And I don't know how many home games we've kind of had that, that swell of, chance after chance, people doing the right thing in the right areas. You know, Bar putting the ball in the net. The best chance of the first half undoubtedly fell to Nathan Redmond. It's quite a nice segue into the Leeds game. We have been, I think, critical of Redmond on the podcast before, Sam. It was his best game in some time against Leeds, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't think I think he was, he was also one of our better players against Burnley as well. I mean, I think that he'll get a lot of attention for that miss. And it was also, also a really bad one, but I still think he was one of our one of our best players in that game. He created stuff, but Leeds game was just exactly what you want what you wanted to see from him consistently for the past. I mean, I think they're five years now. We've only seen that, and probably, I mean, a dozen occasions probably in um, in those five years. But yeah, I think the Leeds game it was almost like. There was no one there. There was no Ward Prowse there. Someone had to step up. So maybe Redmond looked at him and thought, I'm, I'm one of the senior players in the team. 
I'm going to step up and be that be that go-to guy for the game. And he was, and he obviously got his assist. He got another assist at the weekend. I mean, I was quite impressed. I mean, quite impressed with his corners actually. I mean, obviously, when Ward Prowse gets that red card, you think, oh, how bad our set piece going to be for the next three weeks? But no, well, set piece have been decent, other than the, the free kick he had against Leeds, which was typical that the one. Free kick we get in, in inverted commas, Wall Prowse territory this season. Wall Prowse <laughs> isn't on the pitch to take it. So it inevitably goes straight into the wall. But um, no, he's. I was thinking that we literally haven't, when we yeah. I mean, the first game, first six, seven games of the season, we literally haven't had a free kick really to get excited about. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think Wall Prowse had one against United where he hit it, for, I think it was about 35 yards out that De Gea just yeah. away. Yeah. Probably too far out. But other than that, it's been absolutely nothing. But yeah, he's he's done well, but obviously I'm I'm just very very wary about getting too excited about Redmond playing well because there's been such a come down so, so often when he's had a few good games. Hopefully he can carry on. At, I mean, I don't think he'll play play against Chelsea, but hopefully he can carry on at Watford on Saturday, who he's actually got a very good record against, if I remember rightly. I think he has. Yeah, I'm thinking. What was the game at Vicarage Road that was there's loads of goals in it? Did we win four three in the end? Yeah, four three. I think mean, <clears throat> it was down back when Gabbiadini was a world beater. It was just I think it was just after the cup final. Yeah. Three. I think he scored I think he scored twice. And yeah, he, he was very, very good that day. So he, yeah. he, was, he scored in his debut against Watford as well. Uh, yeah. Uh no, I think I'm kind of pleased that you said that about Redmond on Saturday because I think if you watch the highlights, maybe you didn't quite appreciate how much he gave us. He constantly running at players, I think constantly looking for that incisive pass and also in crucial areas, I felt like he did the right thing most of the time. And I think that's been a real weakness to his game where he's kind of not released the ball quite early enough or yeah, kind of turned backwards, been more negative in his football. But I mean, you talk about him turning up now that JWP is not there. There's been stories about him really coaching the likes of Livramento and other youngsters across the team. And I think it's just really good to see a player that should be approaching the peak. Sounds kind of strange saying that about Nathan Redmond, should be approaching the peak of his career doing that. And I think there was some kind of yeah, a bit of derision on Twitter and stuff saying, please don't learn from Redmond. But there is... <laughs> There is a lot to his game. He's got a lot of ability and I think he he's kicked on a little bit. And I did tweet this out um, on, our, on our page, but prior to the weekend, he was 15th in the Premier League for shot-creating actions and a shot-creating action is a dribble or pass that leads to a, a shot. He's now 12th for shot-creating actions per 90 and the list is you know, pretty much as good a player list as you're likely to see that top 10 across the Premier League. All of the big players that you would anticipate being there from Trent to Bruno to KDB, Mohamed Salah, etc. within that list. And Nathan Redmond is 12th. You have to go down, I think, yeah, it's 56th in the Premier League is Moussa Gineppo for shot-creating actions per 90 before you find another Saints player. So I do feel like there's been a notable uptick in what he's producing. And I didn't expect it to be as one of the, the striking spots, but he certainly took his chance against Leeds and, and continued that on, on Saturday. I guess just to kind of touch on the Leeds game, 
you commenting on the asterisk, which, yeah, I guess, you know, bit, a bit glass half empty of you there, Sam. But it, it was a it was a pretty pretty dominant performance against a, a kind of thin eleven from Leeds. But uh, you know, I felt on the whole that the three points was very much deserved, and we've gone into games like that expecting three points, but it didn't really ever look in doubt, did it? No, he didn't. I mean, yeah, as, as I said, there leads a lot of players out, but you can sort of flip it and say that Walprouse and Redmond were out. Sorry, Walprouse and um, Trey Adams were out for us. So we're also missing players. But as soon as you saw that Leeds lineup, you thought, I mean, I've seen the stats about them missing Calvin Phillips. I think they win 14% of their games and he's not in the squad. And yeah, it was just a massive opportunity and one we took, luckily. It was good to see Brozier get his first goal. I mean, he definitely adds something to the team. I mean, he was causing all sorts of problems with set pieces, including that one where I think Elianucci somehow missed with that yard out. But, um, yeah, it was very, it was, it was good to see. I mean, I never really felt, I mean, I, I try and think of it as a, if I was looking at it as a neutral for that, watching that game, I would have thought, oh, Southampton actually dominated that game. But if I'm in the crowd as a Saints fan, I'm still anxious and thinking, how are we going to force this up and um, to see the goal near the end? And we nearly did when uh, Salisa and McCarthy um, had a had that uh, brain fart moment, and uh, Dan James nearly scored. But other than that, it was very, very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I felt it was. I mean, we haven't really spoken about Brozier. He scored. Yeah, in, in both of the games that we're covering now, we have got a pretty decent player on our hands, and I think you know you don't want to get too attached, given it is only on loan but he is offering something that we haven't had as a striker for so long. Like he is physical. He's also very quick. Seems like he can bring others into play quite nicely. I think he's got quite a good relationship already with others in the team in terms of knowing where they're making movements to. But I've also seen some of his goals. And I think we spoke about this very early on in the season. Some of his goals, um, in Eredivisie and also for Albania, where he does exactly what he did on Saturday against Burnley, kind of just twisting and turning and then shooting at exactly the right moment. I know sometimes those shots get blocked and kind of is much for muchness, but it just seems like he's such a sharp finisher that he is going to prove tough to leave out of the team. And given Redmond's playing up top with him, I know we're going to preview Watford in a, a second and, and the Chelsea game where he, Broger can't play. I doubt Redmond will play, to your point earlier. It's going to be really interesting to know how Ralph manages this situation. So, Sam, on this very podcast, probably two weeks ago now, me, yourself and Paul Cox discussed what we would expect from the upcoming five games. We're at four points. We set a target, a kind of soft target, a minimum of nine. Do you think we're going to get that? So we have Watford, Villa, and then Norwich. How are we tracking against that that target of nine? I'm going to go against my my usual half glass, half empty um, attitude. Hey, don't let me get in your head. No, no, no. You I, be I, you, I, Sam. Right? I, no, I, no. I genuinely, genuinely think that we will uh, we will get ten points at least. I think I think we'll get a couple a couple of wins from those two games. Not, not so, I think maybe the two away games. 
I've got a feeling I've got a feeling that things may come back to haunt us next Friday night, but obviously. That's you being glass half empty again, Sam. I know. Well, I've got, to, I've got to keep a balance, haven't I? Um, yeah, I think I would have taken I would have taken four points in those two, in the last two games, definitely. Even though they're two home games, but they're two home games that I mean, I know we beat Burnley last season, but like you said, we normally struggle against them, and also the way we were against Leeds last season in both games, where they was they beat us very very comfortably. I, I would have taken four points. Watford, we've got a very good record there. We've not lost in the last seven at Vicarage Road. I don't think we've lost, lost them for, up there for about 14, 14 years. And um, Norwich, we've also, got a very, we've also got a good record there. So, And they're also pretty garbage at the moment. I mean, it'd be sort of law for them to turn it around against us. But yeah, I mean, and then Villa, it's it's winnable. It's one of, it's, I sort of put it in the same bracket as if you're playing a Palace or something like that. It's, it's winnable, but it's also quite a dangerous fixture. But yeah, I think we're on track to to get to that I mean, get to the soft target that we that we made ourselves, and you know, leave us. I mean, leave us looking up rather than down. Maybe. I mean, I'll, I'll still be looking over my shoulder massively, whatever however many points we get. But yeah, it's looking looking positive, looking a bit more positive than it was. I would agree with that prediction. And I did touch on it earlier, but I think it is important to reflect on where we are at nine games in. And I want to do that from the perspective of our performances rather than maybe just the results, which I think is kind of an interesting dynamic to look at because, as you know, you might deserve to lose but win or vice versa, right? And actually... Even though we've played United, City, Chelsea in our first nine games, and two other teams that are probably not bad in West Ham, and I know Everton kind of struggled on Saturday, but they've had a pretty okay start to the season. Our XG compared to our um, expected goals conceded is actually a positive so on the balance of those nine games we've created more across them than we were expected to um, concede so again it's that kind of look performance levels probably indicate that we are getting a little bit unfortunate and I think that is sensed a little bit and I know that we had the whole kind of Ralph in Ralph out debate previously but I do feel like on the whole, our performances have been relatively solid across the the season. And it probably is that Wolves game, which if you want to look at performance levels and kind of XG specifically, we again outperform them in terms of what we created versus what we conceded in terms of chances. And the only games where we've had a worse XG than our opponents are the Everton first match, United, City away, so Everton United, we had worse. City away, but we probably should have had a penalty in that game. And I think probably a lot of the moments where we didn't necessarily create a chance, but look threatening, you know, is that a contentious one? And then Chelsea, where yeah, we were poor for the first half and were lucky, but probably a lot of those um, kind of chances came when we were down to 10 men as well. So I think, you know, in a summary, the assessment is kind of middling right now, but we are performing okay. And I think now if we look at what's 
behind us in terms of those opening nine games, I feel relatively confident that we're going to be competitive against most teams. Whether Ralph gets his in-game decisions right, whether we've got the, I guess, killer instinct at both ends of the pitch, I think that will be crucial. Anything to add before we move into our previews on Chelsea and Watford? No, just to touch on that, when you, you said about the games we've had so far, I think the only really bad performances have probably been Everton's second half and probably the whole 90 minutes against Wolves, really, which is quite, which is pretty poor. Other than that, it's been fairly, I mean, it's been fairly fine. I mean, although I'm, I'm sort of getting to the point sometimes where I think, especially for a team like us, good performances and bad results sort of usually end up you've been in big trouble. I remember, I remember in 0-4-5, back end of the season, we had quite a lot of good performances or, or like looked dangerous had, or had a chance to win and then didn't win. And obviously we all know what happened there. But yeah, I mean, it's, as I said, it's, it's a big couple of games coming up and fingers crossed we can, I mean, it's sort of, we're sort of on the cusp of if we win on, if we get two wins the next three, sort of knock on the door mid-table. Whereas if you, lose two of two of those three or maybe even all of them then you're bang in trouble so it's it's, it's, it's on, on a bit of a knife edge at the moment last season I think yeah I would I would agree with that Watford is a huge game um and I feel like we're gonna say that probably going into quite a few games uh, of clubs around Watford's level we are we are now behind Watford in the league and yeah I think if we don't get three points on Saturday, that will be frustrating knowing that we could leapfrog them. Just to kind of wrap up on the XG nerdery, if you want to call it that, Watford's uh, XG compared to their expected goals conceded is minus 6.8. So ours is plus 0.1. So effectively on balance, our performances mean that, yeah, we kind of should have scored more goals than we've conceded. Watford's you know, f- for their performances, um, they look to have got relatively lucky around the wins that they've had. I would like to think that those, yeah, that those sort of teams we will finish above, but we're going to preview that game properly in a second and I'm sure we'll chat all things Ranieri uh, and, and what happened on Saturday with a bit of a mental game against Everton. Let's pivot to Tuesday night, Sam. So tomorrow night, this podcast will probably air similar time to that game, having kicked off or potentially even the morning after. We'll see plenty of rotation against Chelsea, you're predicting? Yeah, I mean, you'll probably end up seeing, imagine Adams and Armstrong will come back in. Sorry, maybe even both Armstrongs. Sort of give him a bit, mm. give Stuart a bit more game time and hopefully get him ready for the weekend. And then... Probably looking at Leandro to get his second start. I mean, hopefully it's an improvement on what we saw at Sheffield United. Bear in mind we're playing against Chelsea. And then you're probably looking at Carl Walker-Peters will come back in and then it's interesting what he does in the other fullback position. Does he keep Perrault in or does he give Valerie a game? I personally don't want Valerie. I don't want Valerie on the pitch against Chelsea. No. <laughs> See, as I pay £25 for a ticket, I don't really want to be paying seeing the Valerie against um, <laughs> base amount and the like. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting what he does because obviously he can't really change at midfield because we've only got two midfielders that are available unless he 
ends up bringing Armstrong, shoot Armstrong into the centre midfield, but I don't really see that. Seeing as you don't really want him playing out of position just for one game when he's going to come back yeah. in his main position. And then obviously Fraser Forrest will start in goal. They'll rotate as well, but they'll obviously rotate in probably players like, I mean, I saw that N'Golo Kante is now fully fit and got Saul and players like that. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough night, but I mean, you never know. It's, it's sort of another free hit cup game, not expected to win. I mean, I'm, I think we'll probably get beaten pretty comfortably, but you just never know. We've got a fairly decent record at the bridge other than three weeks ago. So we'll see, we'll see what Ralph can come up with tomorrow night. Yeah, I think you've called it in terms of the team selection. Those players I expect to start. Chelsea have a few injury problems, but even still their second string will be... Yeah, they really, struggled, they really struggled without a striker, didn't they, at the weekend? Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kai Havertz was the only player not to be involved in a goal and he played up top. Yeah, and he was my fantasy so, football captain. So cheers. Likewise, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went uh, Havertz over Mount. So thanks for that, uh, Kai. Got subbed off as well, I think, 20 minutes ago. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think uh, your sentiment is kind of probably fair on Valerie, but I can see that happening where the team shoots released and he's at left back. Be interested to know what's going on with Thierry Small, who I think has looked pretty decent when he's played for the under-23s. And we got him from Everton in really a similar style signing to Livramento. It's clear that Livramento must be well ahead in terms of development. But I'd be interested to know if he even makes the bench um, tomorrow. But yeah, I think it will be Adams and Armstrong. And I think Ralph's already commented that Stuart Armstrong will get minutes or even a start tomorrow. I wonder if that will be in central midfield. El Yanusi is having this operation on his hand, I saw. So that will rule him out of tomorrow night's game and may well um, affect his chances of playing against Watford. Ralph seemed to say he should uh, be back on Saturday, but I think, yeah, fingers crossed, he has, been, he has been decent since he's come into the side. Yeah, I think Ralph's kind of called it one of his success stories of the season so far. And I I was impressed with him on, on Saturday. I thought he did quite a lot of lot of good stuff. I think there were moments where if he'd just kind of seen a pass earlier, his touch and his movement would have been affected so that he could play it. I think there was one in the second half that could have gone to Redmond earlier and he kind of cut inside and then cut back and then played the pass. And by that point, it slowed down. I think he, he does a lot of, lot of good stuff for me. This podcast is supported by Peabury Coffee, award-winning coffee based in Hampshire. Gerald and his team batch roast their coffee beans by hand, and the host of this podcast is a big fan. Check them out today at peaberrycoffee.co.uk. That's absolutely right. Been buying Peabury for around a year now and would never go back to anything else. The current beans on rotation are the Colombian kind, Finca El Mirador, and... For listeners of the pod, we are going to be running some listener competitions where you can win a bag of beans, a bag of Gerald's finest, shall we say. Um, but yeah, big shout out to Gerald and all the work he's doing, supplying coffee up and down the country now. So yeah, great to support a local business in, in Hampshire and stay tuned for more. We will move into Watford. We've kind of commented on how big a game it's going to be, Sam. I don't know how much you caught of the kind of mad scenes at Goodison Park on Saturday. 
uh, I did quite like the fact that, yeah, the, the story around Josh King uh, being sort of frozen out at Everton for five months. I don't think he started a game. I don't think he even scored as well when he was there. But to score a hat-trick at Goodison Park, they were 2-1 down, Watford were. I think going to the 17, 79th minute or 80th minute. I think it was 12-minute turnaround where they scored four goals and Benitez obviously called it sort of a bit of a disaster that he's going to look into. But yeah, I, Everton aside, Watford clearly did something right in that in that game. Dilly ding, dilly dong. What uh, are you anticipating here? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I know too much about Watford's side. I mean, I see I've really caught a lot of them this season. Obviously, Josh King coming in at the weekend and scoring a hat-trick was sort of out of the blue. We've got sort of mixed mix experience and um, some flair as well. Players like Moussa Sissoko, who um, seems to be quite a smart buy by them. Obviously, a lot of experience. World, World Cup winner as well. And then you're looking at players like obviously Tom Cleverley. And, but then, obviously, their, their trump card is probably Ishmael Assar, who I'm very, very surprised he managed to keep hold of for the past couple of seasons, especially with the relegation. Mm. And there, was, there was chat of, what, 40 million quid. I think, he, I think he was signed for the best part of 40 million, actually, by Watford. I remember him scoring his first goal for them at St Mary's a couple of years ago. But, yeah, he's he's a very impressive player. They've got other players like Emmanuel Dennis as well. I mean, I've not seen too much of him, but he keeps, keeps popping up the goals. But, they're, I mean, they're average side. I think we can definitely get them. They've got players like Craig Cathcart still in their team, who's Pretty average, I think. And it'd be quite nice to see Wall Prowse stick yet and yet another free kick past Ben Foster. I think that would be the fourth fourth of his career. But yeah, mm. it's a massive game. I just hope we've got enough about us to go there and win. I'm pretty I mean, I'm quietly confident. But uh yeah, it's gonna be a tense afternoon, I think. I know it's only end of October, but it already feels like a quite a make or break game for us in terms of whether we're going to be right in the thick of it or not. Feels a bit like the Wolves game going into this, where I, I think, must admit, was pretty confident going into that, that we would at least not lose. And I'm concerned about Saturday in a way. They will be full of beans and they do have a bit of a peculiar 11 where you sort of look through it and you're like, yeah, there is are some okay players in there. Ismail Asar is a standout player by far. But that first eleven is a bit weird. And, uh, you know, players I don't really know too much about. I think it was, um, is it Kuka that scored um, for them on, on Saturday? <clears throat> They've got Cucho Hernandez, Yao Pedro, I think is in and around those attacking positions as well. I think if you compare our squad to theirs, I would like to think that we have got too much for them. But I kind of quite rate Ranieri and I don't think it's going to be an easy, easy game. And I know kind of Ranieri's last job in England was a bit of a disaster with with Fulham. But I think he's had pretty good time in Italy, certainly not lost it as a manager. I, I'm a little bit concerned about how it would go. I think I'm hopeful that we get three points. My gut feel is a score draw of some kind. Yeah, I mean... You probably wouldn't. I mean, you'd probably take a point away from home, but against a side like Watford, I know. I know they won five two at the weekend, but I look at that as a bit of an anomaly because it just seemed to be a bit of a 
just a disastrous t- thing. That just, it just doesn't happen. I mean, A, it's a Rafa Benitez team, and B, I mean, Watford scored four goals in 10 minutes against Everton. It's just, just, bon- it's just bonkers. They just, I mean, Everton seemed to have a bit of a tendency over the last few years to do that. And I, mean, I remember a couple of years ago when they you know, tuned up against Newcastle in the last minute and then they ended up drawing yeah. two teams. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I don't know what you think about does Ralph have a bit of a dilemma on his hands now with, with Ward Prowse returned at the weekend? Would you bring him straight back in? I mean, I, I, I... I would, yeah. And I think ultimately it will be, it should, and it will be Romeo and, and Ward Prowse. But I think if there wants to be flexibility further down the line around Ralph's system, Diallo has to be part of that conversation. Whether it's kind of a, a midfield three with two wingers, you know, off someone like a Broger, those are options which I think should be looked at. And Diallo is... I think much closer to a consistent starting point than he was pre the red card, pre JWP's red card, and that's a great thing. But yeah, I think it will be Romeo and and, uh, and JWP, and then who knows in terms of the striking spots. Do you know any update on Broja's ankle in terms of you know anything beyond the the headlines of likely to be okay but limped off? No, unfortunately, all I've heard is. Likely to be okay for the weekend, which would be a big boost because for me, at the moment, you don't want him to be missing any games. Well, obviously, he'll miss tomorrow night, but any any games he's, he's eligible to play. But yeah, we just you just need to keep him in the, keep him in the side and keep him going. I mean, for me, he's in. You just want to be chomp, you'd be chomping a bit to play every week. Yeah, agreed. And then that leads us into our Friday night game. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the uh, the reminder that you got about what was happening two years ago today, Sam. But a uh, sort of autumnal Friday night under the lights at St Mary's, we play Villa uh, in our following match after after what after Watford game. What was happening two years ago today, Samuel? Uh, I think we lost the game to Leicester. I can't remember, I can't remember the score. Yeah, we were playing Leicester. <laughs> you know what? Looking at some of the results this weekend. It, I do feel like we're no longer that sort of laughing stock that other teams are, are proving to be. There needs to be another nine. There needs to be another nine nil. There needs. I know, and I actually think I think Saints Saints fans should stop sort of willing it to manifest in some way because I see the Twitter comments being like, right, could it be now? Could have, yes, could have been Old Trafford. Yes, could have been Old Trafford. Yeah, yes. could, it genuinely could have been at Old Trafford, and it also could have been at Stamford Bridge. I thought, but but after the red card I mean we obviously have a wretched time of it when we go down to 10 men but you know both red cards didn't really have the impact on those games but I actually thought it could have happened this weekend yeah it just shows how crap we were to get beaten 9-0 twice how much of an anomaly it is that happened twice in 18 months it shows how bad we were on those occasions but anyway let's move on from us getting tonk 9-0 <laughs> well I was trying to be positive around it in that you know I saw a clip of the Liverpool fans singing the Ollies at the wheel and I thought, you know what? It's quite nice to not be not be laughed at yeah. for, for a little bit until we get beat 9-0 again, of course. Uh, right then, Sammy. Anything else that you want to talk about pre-us wrapping this up? No, no. I think we've covered quite a lot, to be honest. It's good. Well, not loads to go over, was there, really? And I think it's been a kind of short and sweet pod. Uh, I think that concludes the episode, to be honest with you. You are off to the bridge tomorrow night, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. And, and to Vicarage Road on Saturday. So hopefully oh. worth, worth the trip. Hey, 
You're, uh, what's what's the route to Watford these days? Uh, it's fairly easy from Richmond. I think it's I just need to go Wilson Junction, then it's Wilson Junction go straight to Watford Junction. So pretty easy on the on the overground. I was thinking I might edit that out, but that is riveting actually for <laughs> Saints fans looking to get to the game from your way. Uh, no, Sam. <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoy tomorrow night. And then I think, I don't know, we'll be podding again, what, in two weeks' time. So that'll be after both the Watford game. and the Villa game. Come on, how many points are we getting to finish up on from those two games? We're going score predictions, are we, for those two games? I'm not going score predictions. I want your points total from the two games. Four. Yeah. We are aligned on that front. I think four. Whatever way you want to kind of make up that four four points, I just can't see us can't see us losing either. <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah, well, um, we'll we'll wrap this up, Sammy. Good to chat, and yeah, enjoy your travels. Not that far over the next seven days, but supporting Saints. <laughs>